Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Today is titled, One Moment of Love. And the moment of love is the moment of Jesus going to the cross. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, that God proves his own love for us. Now, if you're a skeptic, maybe you're one of the people that says, okay, either put up or shut up. Don't say something, do something. I hear you, but I need to feel you and see you. Okay. But we apply that to God in such a lack of reverence many times where beating our chest, God, show that you're real. Well, Romans 1 says we can see God's real just by all of creation. But to get us back from our own disobedience, Romans 5, 8 is so beautiful. It says that God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, unworthy, in our depravity, unable to make ourselves come alive, dead people in sin, that while we were still sinners, God proved his love for us because Christ died for us. And that's the one moment of love that is unlike any other event in all of history. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're here today because he, his spirit has been drawing us close and he's discipling us today and others he's calling home and today could be the moment where that one moment of love you exchange your sin, our filthy rags, and say, God, forgive me. You are the only way. Be my savior and lead me as my Lord. And he leads us to great spaces. So this love is tenacious. It has teeth. It is pursuit. It is not without display. It is the greatest display that we've ever seen. And to recap a little bit about this series is we were coming out of Sabbath teaching, where a period weekly where we would break, stop, rest, delight, and worship but on the Sabbath, some religious leaders were looking at Jesus and waiting to take him out. They were plotting, scheming. Jesus is about to go down from their hands. And some of them, maybe with good intentions even, but blinded and not God's truth. So this is our moment, we're saying, in this season of life as a people to not just see the calendar and be like, okay, well, Easter's gonna come and go. Well, the beauty of Easter is that it doesn't come and go. It's 24-7, 365, that he lives, that the veil has been torn, that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and cry out, Abba, to God Almighty. And that message is the good news, the gospel in news is meant to be proclaimed. We just say something of what has been done not of our glory, not of our works, but what Jesus did on the cross, it is finished. So you might know somebody in your life that you could say, hey, this is your moment to come home to Jesus. This is your moment to be baptized. 
And this is your moment to stay a while. So our prayer would be over the next quarter that we would get traction from the momentum of remembering what Jesus did on the cross. And to see how Jesus did on the cross, I think it's helpful if we go back for a moment. So let's think Old Testament. Let's go back and say, okay, um, Genesis, you have creation order, you have our disobedience, and then you have God's pursuit that eventually will, the, 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 the pinnacle, the apex of the whole story is Jesus, but the old covenant story is we see it play out time and time again, God's pursuit, God, God wanting what's best for mankind, but you continually see our rebellion and our own sin. But when we look at the story, sometimes we see the acts of God and they seem harsh without the context. Well, God allowed cities to be killed. Why did the flood happen? But know that that's the exception because God was so patient. And just as a parent, you know, where you can come up maybe at the grocery store and you see a kid being corrected and you could think, oh, that's really harsh. But we don't know the backstory. Maybe that parent was so gracious time and time and time and time again. And there is a passage out of Exodus 34 that tells us who God is. And this is the nature of who our Father God is. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed this, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Some translations say loyal love or loving kindness and faithfulness. This is who he is. And he's keeping the steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? Because he's also a good judge. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. And this can seem so harsh, but the broth, the base, the bulk of the story is God's loving kindness. The verse they read during worship is that God is slow to anger. He's slow because he wants people to come back home. This is your moment. So just like the Old Testament where there would be moments of judgment, the final judgment will come when Jesus shows up on the scene. And last time he showed up, he was just straight up lamb on a donkey riding to his own death peacefully. But next time he comes as a roar, as a lion. And your temperament might instantly go to one side or the other. Is we're wired uh, in a way that some of us naturally default to just a sense of grace or compassion, and others will be, well, if you did the crime, you do the time. Our view of God impacts the way we can even understand the old covenant and the new covenant. And the cross brings us all together because we are all there on our knees saying we can't make ourselves brand new. In the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene in the new covenant that Jesus is and makes possible through the fulfillment of him being the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ Jesus. But understanding the nature of God is so key. And it's found in that word, steadfast love. And the Bible Project does a good job of breaking down this word because it's, it's, it's so foreign to us how weighty it is. Check out this video about loyal love, also translated steadfast love. 
If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth, Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man, but tragically her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead, Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob, so God defeats and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, Forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist. It's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then 26 times repeats, his chesed is forever. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal love and faithfulness.
Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all of creation. And God did this because it's just who God is, generous, loving, and eternally loyal to his promises. And when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal Uh, Hebrews 8, Jesus, the high priest, the better covenant. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for the priest to have something to offer. Now, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. So the Old Testament has these pictures of a type, a shadow of what is to come and individual characters that never ultimately can be the hero that Jesus fulfills as the anointed one, the Messiah, Christ Jesus. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for the second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish, establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one of his neighbors, each one of his brothers saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember Check this, check this. I will remember their sins no more. This is so key. The new covenant, it promises not only forgiveness of sins that is instant, but a remembrance from God no more. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to forgive ourselves of what we've already been forgiven of. And so this new covenant is a relationship that's not like a contract, but it is a common goal to, to see this hesed love played out. And so, therefore, now, let's go back into the Gospels on the cusp of Jesus going to the cross. And what we might know as Palm Sunday, 
which is typically the Sunday before the Jesus Friday Resurrection Sunday following that sometimes we'll go to next week. But what I found when I've read the Gospels, which there's four Gospels that are talking about one story, and there has been evidence of a, of a document that was used as well, an additional document that the Gospels are using, that the different writers are recording and using this document known as the Q. And, and it's, one, it's all one story, but from different angles and different perspectives and even written to different audiences. So the point is, read it all. And we're going to go into Matthew, though, which is really the king, that the king has showed up for uh, the fulfillment of the people of Israel, and your king is here. And so he has a triumphant entry in 20, chapter 21 of Matthew, and we're going to read a bulk of scripture. The reason why is because when I've read this time and time again, it has a way of just letting the story breathe and it, and it bleeds through the pages into my heart. And I just think, ah, oh, Jesus was ultimately done dirty for my sin. Verse 21. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now, how was this embedded in the scriptures? This was prophecy. So how would the people then miss it and shout, Crucify him on the cross is sometimes our want, our desire to see fulfillment now that we miss of how fulfillment could come or what God is doing. God came in an unlikely way, but he had already told them how he would come. He does not come in to just dethrone uh, 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 the, the, the Roman Empire. He's not just coming for a nation. He's a, he's a king that's coming for a kingdom that's full of people. That's not a building, but it's people that he's building, that he's unlocking and unleashing to impact the world with his presence. So we all now, that when we're in Jesus, we have been released to go and make disciples as we're going, to tell the whole world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And this is how our king showed up. Verse 6, then the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks and sat on them. Now most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and they followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowds say, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And we're gonna fast forward to Matthew 26. That triumphant entry is so key because it all connects to even... It, it, the Bible has main point that's obvious. Here's Jesus, the king of the world, coming peacefully on a donkey, but even the, the palm branches, and eventually he's going to die on a tree. Well, we ate from the fruit all the way back to a tree. And there are so many sub-layers, and sometimes we get lost in them because it's, 
it, it, we can say, oh, well, did you see this? Did you see? Yeah, yeah, it's infinite and endless, and we can draw lines and hyperlink it everywhere. It was so cool. But Jesus, the king of the world, comes humble, low, as a lamb to sacrifice for our sins. That's how God proves his love for us. And then he's going to go to trial, chapter 26. And Jesus, he finished all these things saying, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days of the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So he's just letting them know, here's what's about to take place. But if it comes with suffering sometimes, we don't want to know it. Come on, God, tell me there's another way. We have a high priest that understands, and he prayed the same thing because he was fully man and fully God. What a profound mystery. Verse three, then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth. Oh, how deceptive, and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And remember Passover, Exodus, God brings judgment, and all the ones that have uh, the blood sacrifice over the doorpost, God's judgment would pass over. And now here comes Jesus, the ultimate lamb that is on Passover, eventually gonna give his life. And so to pass over all of our sins, to remember our sins no more. This is one moment of love. And then verse six, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, house is key there because Jesus is again entering our darkest hours. He's not afraid to come in and be hospitable for those that are forgotten and and outcasted. And then a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it out on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. They say, and why waste this? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring out this ointment on my body, she had done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, that city life Lansing, What she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas, Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to portray him. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. As they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And and they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes, it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be, have been better for him, 
for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus says to him, you have said so. Before the greatest glory in the moment of love that Jesus lives, there is intense sorrow, evil, betrayal. If you've watched the movie Passion for Christ, Passion of the Christ, and that movie, the whole thing's in Aramaic and not even a letter, a word that was in English, but yet I sat there because there was a visual of the betrayal and a portrait of what Jesus endured, and he didn't just endure going to the cross as other people had went to the cross. He was now gonna endure the judgment, the wrath, the cup that he would drink that God the Father would pour out on his own son so that John 16, 3.16 comes off the page right in front of our face, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, for we're already condemned from our own sin, but to save us. This is so profound. And I don't even think we should just go on fast. I think the homework city life, live in this passage for the next couple weeks. Live in what's going on to Jesus leading up to the cross. And we're going to pause the story and um, from there, cliffhanger. We'll be back next week for To Be Continued, where Judas regrets his decision. Does he repent um, in a way, or is he just mad from works-based? And it gets graphic. Judas hangs himself and commits suicide. The way to betray the Savior of the world, Peter denies Christ three times, never think it would happen. Jesus goes to the garden, and he's praying, God, is there another way? Not my will, but yours be done. He's arrested and taken before authorities and Pontius Pilate, like, hey, you want this man, Barabbas, or do you want this man, Jesus, in the same crowds that shouted, Hosanna, 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 are now crucify him, crucify him. You don't think it could happen to us? Haven't you ever been in, around a fight before and then you found yourself either in it or saying, fight, 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 or not wanting to turn away? Because you just get caught up in the moment. It's, and Jesus is dying for all those people, all of us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Which is why later on the other side of it, um, after the grief, after immense loss, intense tragedy, the fact that he, he's affirmed to people and people see him and they can touch him. And whoa, yeah, yeah. But before we get there, let's let it sting in the darkness. Not, not, to, not just for the sake of the cup is half empty and I'm not trying to be pessim, pessimistic. I've just, when I've read the Gospels many times, I have to stop and pause of what's happening in the ending before we get to Acts, before we get to the epistles, before we, you know, one day God will wipe away all tears, no more sickness, no more sorrow. He's coming back to make all things new. Now, our king lived a life we couldn't, died the death we should have, 
in place of our sin. God proved his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how we close is we're going to watch a video of a kind of an illustrative depiction of what's, in a modern way, what's taking place with Jesus. You'll see the main character, uh, Jesus, played by Torian, who's on the keys, and he uh, is in the garden praying, but it's in an alley. And you'll see Judas getting some money and throws it back at the Pharisees and says, I don't want this. And you'll see Jesus get lynched, and you'll see Jesus say, no, 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 come here, like when Peter cuts off the ear. And then you'll see that he, the same people who killed him are the same people that eventually worship him as they realize, oh, he must be the king of the Jews. He is the son of God. And if you're here today, don't wait till Easter. This is your moment to come back home. You don't need a formal altar call, but it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
we give you praise today, God. We thank you that in our darkest moments, you stepped in and turned on the light of heaven. That the grave was not the end of the story and that the other side is that he does live. We look forward to being on this journey these next couple weeks, going into the cave, going into the dark places, and going into the story of salvation. Therefore, the resurrection of Christ and the meaning of it can be that profound. It's a sacred time to be alive, y'all. I believe that the saints, that every time we worship, we enter in with what has taken place eternally. And in Hebrews 11, it says that all these great leaders of faith, they did all these amazing things because of their faith in God, which was ultimately the grace that you and I have because of the cross. And in this, they said that we are in a day that they looked towards. And then chapter 12 begins with saying, therefore us, let's look to Jesus pioneer, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, and let's continue to run the race. I think if they were here today, they would point us to those chapters and saying, no, it lives through you. So how could it live through us maybe in the next week or so? If the news is that good, maybe a simple way is to ask someone to come back home. Hey, you want to come with me next week? Hey, you want to come with me Easter Sunday? They look at you, come where? I hear the greatest story on planet Earth. What story? Jesus, is it a church? Jesus, and then if that doesn't work, just say there's a helicopter in the sky and there's some eggs dropping and that might, no, I'm not kidding, no bait and switch. But God uses all things, right, for his glory. Amen. And you know what he wants to use? It's not the flyer, it's not the promo video, it's you. So I pray that you walk in the strength and confidence that God has put inside of you when you leave this place, that you know that the glory of God has come to you to shine through you. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're gonna keep loving this city one life at a time, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all.